When witches go riding and black cats are seen, the moon laughs and whispers, "Tis near Halloween." If you like to learn but lack enough time to locate the reason or translate the rhyme, with magical knowledge from ancient tomes on the shelf, I bring Halloween topics to geek thyself. Hello, everyone. I'm Heather, and I'll be your host for this podcast. Halloween is my favorite holiday and my favorite spooky time of the year. So park your broom at the door and listen for a spell, as I brew up some Halloween topics for this week and the rest of October. Okay, so hi everyone, and welcome to our last episode of the month of Halloween, um, my favorite holiday. But um, for this one, we decided to do something that's not necessarily creepy, but that's generally considered very spooky and ominous, which goes in very much in line with the Halloween theme, and that is the... Uh, the end. The end of the world. Yeah, the end of the world. It's it's not a great mm-hmm. idea, you know. It it's depressing and well, mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. depressing depending on who you are, but that's a whole different can of worms. Um, uh, yeah, let's let's leave that one well enough alone. <laughs> um, but what we're going to talk to you about today is the four horsemen of the apocalypse. A little bit more information about some of the different interpretations of who they are and what they represent as well as uh, what they're supposed to be the harbingers of. Although, given their full title, I feel like most people kind of know that already. Yep. Uh, yeah, so, <laughs> But we're now going to talk about them a little bit, because they're a little confusing and yes, very interesting. Yes. And to be clear also for anyone who goes Googling or searching for the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, there are a lot of different groups of men over the years who have been referred to as the Four Horsemen as like a nickname. So you do want to make sure that if you're looking for it for the historical like Armageddon Apocalypse Christianity version, you're going to have to actually like make sure you're looking at the right one and not just random people that got that as a nickname. But according uh, to the Encyclopedia Britannica, the four horsemen of the apocalypse in Christianity are the four horsemen who, according to the book of Revelation, appear with the opening of the seven seals that bring forth the cataclysm of the apocalypse. So, as we mentioned, they're basically the harbingers of the apocalypse. Yep, end of the world, end of everything, mm-hmm. and all having special roles in bringing that about, essentially. Yes, and in, in some variations, depending on who's interpreting and what people think, in addition to it being the apocalypse, they sometimes also represent the second coming of Christ and, you know, that kind of thing. So it a lot of it also depends on your particular version of Christianity, and there's so many out there that it's, you know there's going to be a slightly different variation depending on who you're talking to. Um, Sorry, I just want to preface for anyone who's listened to previous episodes and is like, wait a minute, why is this person who's told us she's Buddhist talking about a Christianity thing? It's because I think it's interesting and it's sort of history related, which I also think is interesting. Interesting. 
I actually didn't know you were Buddhist. That's very interesting. <laughs> uh, I had never asked, but yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, well, and my, no, it's totally fine. And it had never come up, I don't think, in conversations with just you and me. And, yeah, and my, um, my dad is an atheist, my mom's Buddhist, and my dad is a huge history buff. So despite the fact that he's atheist, I watched a lot of the History Channel, which has a lot of specials on the history of this Bible thing, the history of that Bible thing, and Christianity and different religions. So... Uh, yeah, when I, w- I used to joke when I was a kid that, and no offense to anyone out there, but that I knew more about the history, like the real life history surrounding the Bible than some of my friends who were Christian. I've, I've heard you say that before yeah. uh, on the show. <laughs> well, I can't remember why you said it. Oh, we were, talking about, we were talking about museums. Oh. Uh, and I can't remember specifically, but it was a little bit ago. Anyway. We're back on tangents again. Yes. Yeah, so so we, let's try and we excel steer at those. the ship back. Yeah, <laughs> we do. Okay, so the four horsemen in general are described as riding four individual horses that all have their own looks to them, with a first with the first being white, the second being red, the third being black, and the fourth being pale almost mm-hmm. blue in the in the illustration that I'm looking at anyway. Yep. Uh, white is perhaps one of the most confusing ones, and that is why Heather's going to talk about it, because <laughs> she likes the confusing bit. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Um, so, in general, the four horsemen in and of themselves are also somewhat confusing, because before the Reformation... It was widely held by some of the premier scholars who had studied the Bible that it, the four horses being ridden during the apocalypse were all being ridden by the same rider. So the, the rider went from the white horse to the red horse to the black horse to the pale horse. And it wasn't until later interpretations that um, we ended up with the four separate riders. The first horse, the white horse, is like... Russ said the most confusing because there's the most difference in what people foresee it as. Now, it, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if it's the same over there in the UK. I know over here in the US, when people talk about the four horsemen, they almost always say, oh, yeah, you know, the four horsemen, there's war, famine, pestilence, and death. I, mean, I wouldn't be able to tell you um, <laughs> just because. I'm going to be honest, I've never heard someone talk about the Four Horsemen in casual conversation. I mean, that's which fair. Which I think is a shame. I think it's a shame, <laughs> because maybe we should talk more about the Four Horsemen. Maybe. Uh, so I couldn't tell you how they're ordered. Gotcha. Well, yeah, I, I mean, the specific order, I don't... I mean, uh, other than what we see any, here, Anytime I I've known, ever but... heard about them, yes, those are the four that I've heard about. Okay. And it's the same for me, and I know, uh, well, up until researching for this episode, and I know that in a lot of movies and TV shows and things, when they're talking about the four horsemen, it is always those four. It's always pestilence, war, famine, and death. Those are the four that get talked about. But if you actually look at the history of the four horsemen and the apocalypse, they aren't all referred to that way, which is interesting. The white horse is the most confusing one, though, because it... it a very big difference in colloquialisms and nowadays it does often get referred to 
in movies and TV shows and things as being sort of pestilence. But it's more actually commonly referred to, especially with people who study the Bible, as um, things like conquest. Or in some versions, it's even seen as like an antichrist or sometimes Christ himself, depending on the exact interpretation. Uh, and actually, just, you know, to, to do my due diligence, I checked on some Christian sites as well for information. And there is one called Christianity.com, which is... I assume not being someone who researches Christianity heavily on the regular is at least somewhat accurate. Sorry for any Christians out there. If you know otherwise, I apologize, but I don't know. So <laughs> I'm using what I can find. Um, on Christianity.com, they actually refer to the first horse, a white one, um, as one that seems bent on conquest. It's The writer has a crown and holds a bow, and it's often, uh, it has been attributed to the writer being sometimes Jesus, sometimes the Antichrist, um, and things like that. But he, the white horse is often referred to by people who study the Bible as conquest as opposed to pestilence, which I think is interesting because in all the media and things that I've ever seen, it's pestilence. Mm. And it sounds like it's yeah. the same for you. Yes, uh, like I said, it's not something I'm super, super familiar with, but mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Like I said, first one, very up to interpretation of mm -hmm. the many, many different interpretations that there are. Uh, yes. Does the first horseman carry something specific? He carries a bow, is what's mm -hmm. referred to. So, yeah. let me go back to that page. Okay. Which kind of makes sense if, mm -hmm. if it was like conquest or something like that because a bow isn't something you really associate with disease pestilence exactly no that's very true um it makes more sense for conquest but yeah a, uh, the description of the first horseman the white horseman is i looked and there before me was a white horse its rider held a bow and he was given a crown and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest so that is an excerpt from the prophecy that's supposed to describe these the coming of these four horsemen who will, uh, during a certain time frame, which deals with the apocalypse, be uh, allowed to kill a quarter of the population of the earth. And the prophecy basically says that they will, I mean, this is paraphrasing, but basically says that they will kill a quarter of the earth's population with a combination of wars, famine, and disease. So there are some who suspect, some scholars and people who suspect that that might be part of the reason why the white horse started to become associated with disease and pestilence and plagues because of that, of, of that line, yeah. of that particular line. And mm -hmm. the other thing is too, and this only just occurred to me, but if you look through history, one of the things that, um, and I can think of a couple of examples right off the top of my head. One of the things that has allowed conquerors in our histories to take over other countries easily is that some of the diseases they brought with them were diseases that the native people did not have resistances to. That's true. Didn't think about that. So that just like occurred to me. the Black Death, me. the Spanish mm -hmm. flu. Yeah, that's real true. Well, Didn't or, think about it. you know, it's very topical here in America because we just had Indigenous Peoples Day. Yes, I say Indigenous Peoples Day and not Columbus Day. 
Um, <laughs> but when Christopher Columbus came over here, it's known that he brought diseases with him that killed a lot of the native peoples that they ran into. Mm, and I didn't know that. Um, there are some historians who do think that part of the reason that the conquistadors had such an easy time t wiping out the Aztecs and the other native uh, kingdoms that existed here when they came over to Mexico was largely because Cortez and his men brought diseases with them that the people had no resistances to. And so it wiped out large chunks of the population. Now, you would think that it would have gone the other way, too, and also affected the conquistadors, but, you know, depending on the kind of diseases <sighs> the native peoples had, maybe not. Mm, maybe. Maybe there was already, like, some immunization. Uh, immunization. Uh, I can't say that word. Immunization. Immunization. There you go. Th thank you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, like, going one way but not the other. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that's really interesting. Uh, the rest of them are not going to be quite as long because, like I said, the white horse is just a little bit yes. ambiguous. So, the red horse very much has always been associated with war mm -hmm. oh boy <laughs> okay um the red horseman carries a great sword it's not spelt like great sword as in like a, a great sword like a two-handed sword but the 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 depiction of it is a fairly long sword so it could be a great sword uh so yeah true so yeah and, uh often represented as war and holding a sword ready for battle, or sometimes representatives of mass slaughter, which, not to split hairs, but they're kind of the same thing sometimes. I mean, yeah. yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. No, that's very true, yeah. especially depending on the kind of war. Like, civil wars are incredibly mm. bloody quite often yes. because mm -hmm. there's... There's very few yeah. wars throughout history that have been non-violent uh, hmm. the cold war being a good example of one but there are very few so, yep this is a very uh, true. and red is seen as a, a an aggressive fiery color as well as a declaration of war uh, military symbol yep so there's a lot of militaristic militaristic and combat aspects put together within uh, uh the foot the second horseman uh, yeah, and again, it also just says here the second horseman may represent civil war as opposed to the war of conquest that the first horseman is sometimes said to bring. Like we said, the first horseman is just really confusing. Yeah, there's a lot of different uh, interpretations. Mm -hmm. uh, according to Edward Bishop's Eliot's interpretation of the four horsemen, a symbolic prophecy in the history of the Roman Empire, the, the second symbol, seal, sorry, second seal is opened and the Roman nation that experienced joy, prosperity, triumph is made to subject, uh, is made subject to the red horse which depicts war and bloodshed. Civil war. So, yep. Uh, mm. Again, so it's always within the sort of vein of war, combat or death, but yeah. in a, very much a combat way, which, so, yeah, that's kind of everything. And, um, something I'm a little unsure about. Do they kill a quarter each or is it a quarter between all of them? A quarter between all of them. Okay, because part of me would assume that it might have been a quarter each because if it's the apocalypse you assume everyone would be taken. That's all. Yeah, as far as I could tell from everything I was reading, it looks like it's supposed to be just a quarter of the um, quarter of the population. 
And of course, um, the four horsemen represent the first four seals of the seven seals that have to open. Um, yeah, the Lamb of God opens the first four of the seven seals and that summons out these four beings who then bring in the apocalypse. And for anyone who doesn't follow Christianity or doesn't know different interpretations, Lamb of God is a title that's often used to refer to Jesus Christ. Uh, so, yep. And they basically are the heralds of the divine apocalypse or last judgment. Mm-hmm. Okay, so those are the first two, and yeah, we're already at the time for the break, which is ridiculous. <laughs> so, all right, so we're going to be going to our break and doing some fun times and then coming back to uh, death and famine. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, everyone, welcome to this week's mid-roll, which is going to be a lot happier than the subject of today's episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no apocalypse <laughs> in the mid-roll. No. Oh, no, we let it in. No, no. Stop. <laughs> you, why Stop did it. you open the seal? Um. <laughs> I didn't. It wasn't me. <laughs> okay, so like always this week, we, we <laughs> want to talk about our wonderful sponsor, starting off with World Anvil. World Anvil's an amazing site where you can do different world building and campaign management for your campaign or story or book, anything you're writing. It has the most robust world world creation and campaign management software out there, and they even won an any award for it. So we definitely recommend you check them out. They're also amazingly nice people, and they're constantly coming out with updates and new things you can do with it. We, I mean, we can't talk about it enough, how much we love them. It's worldanvil.com, and I definitely recommend you go check it out. Yep. And someone else you should check out, because we love them as well, is Die Hard Dice at mm -hmm. Castle Die Hard. They create amazing dice, as in their name. They focus mainly mm -hmm. on producing a gorgeous metal dice, uh, as was in the Creepypasta uh, mid-roll last week. Heather was showing me dice during the mid-roll, and I just started drooling over them, because they're absolutely <laughs> gorgeous. You can always find what you're looking for, especially with their dual-color series, Spellwinders. Mm -hmm. They've got so many different options that whatever colors sort of fit your character, you can find what you want. They've got the amazing accessories like the scroll of rolling, which we talk about always because it's so amazing. Uh, they've got their own po uh, polymer dice that they've been working on mm -hmm. as well. I can't wait to see what else they come out with that. Uh, they've got the frosted series dice, which they've kept around, uh, which I love. Yeah, they have glow in the dark yeah, ones now too. Yeah, they do. They uh, they're doing everything to create amazing dice for you and for us. And boy, are their dice pretty. Mm -hmm. and they make great noise and I'm pretty sure I just heard Heather pick up her dice for more <laughs> clicky clacky math rocks. I may have been playing with them yeah. <laughs> so yeah if you want to head over there to diehardice.com you can find amazing dice and if you do find anything you want to purchase you can use the code geekthyself to get 15% that's 1515 off your first or next order with them mm -hmm. so yeah if you want to roll with the best just go to diehardice.com Yes, and last but not least, we want to talk about a new show that's coming to the Nerdsmith Network. Set, yeah. set to launch tonight is a new live stream on our Twitch at Nerdsmith. It's twitch.tv slash wearenerdsmith. And you can go check out our newest show, 
Obscura. Ooh. <laughs> Which I'm very excited for. It is, for. yeah. It is a City of Mists RPG, uh, and it's set in an alternate universe in the 1950s. Yes. Uh, do you have any more details on this, or do we not? Well, it hasn't started yet, so there's. it starts tonight. So in terms of storyline, I don't have anything I can drop as a hint. I will say that I'm very excited because the people who are a part of the show, including Rev from The Crit Show, which was recently on the Net Nerdsmith Network, and Nix, who's actually also works with The Crit Show, as well as Heath, the DM, Dire Bear uh, DM, they're all amazing. So I'm very excited to see what's happening. And some of the aesthetic things that I've seen in the background a lot of very noir feel to them, which has me excited. Yeah, I kind of got that from the 50s. I was hoping that's kind of where it was going with it, because mm -hmm. I love the whole noir from the 50s and 60s. Okay, and as I says, that starts today, uh, the 30th, Wednesday, yes. 4 p.m. PST, uh, on Twitch. You can watch it live, be part of the action. We'll be there. Yes. Oh, I will try to be there, depending on work, <laughs> but I will be watching regardless. <laughs> Yes, you um, should definitely go check it out. Yeah. And again, that's uh, twitch.tv slash wearenerdsmith. Mm -hmm. And you can also find all the rest of the amazing live streams that are on there from mm -hmm. uh, from us, including RP, uh, D Discover RPG. Oh, oh, wow. I think, uh, DRPG. Uh, well, I was right. DRPG, but it's Discover mm -hmm. RPG. Yeah. Uh, we have the Dead Man Tell No Tales on Fridays with Ghost of Saltmarsh. We also have uh, Shattered Forge on Fridays uh, with Janet from World Anvil, like we just talked about. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got Shenanigans or, on Tuesdays. Or whatever Shenanigans is right now, because it's not quite Shenanigans. <laughs> or is it Shenanigans again? I don't know. But it's still it, good. It's Shenanigans when we have all of our players, and when we don't mm -hmm. have all our players due to work or emergencies, then we play an alternate game the same night. Same people, yeah. just a different game. Yes, and still wonderful people. So mm -hmm. yes, go and check out all the wonderful things that we have over there. We'll, I'm sure you'll find something that you like. Okay. And with all that, uh, with all that happy that we've put into this, now we're going to go back into talking about the apocalypse. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Hiya guys, this is Russ uh, with another small announcement at uh, this week's uh, mid-roll. In the from the first of November, we'll be starting our 2019 Nerd Giving event. That's from the first of November to the fifteenth. All the money that we'll be raising this time is going to Hefer International. Hefer International is a charity organization working to end hunger and poverty around the world by providing livestock and training for struggling communities. They are an absolutely wonderful charity. We'll be doing a load of one-shots for, for the event, uh, along with them all being animal-themed. And you can watch those on twitch.tv forward slash wearenerdsmith. You can also go to nerdsmith.org to learn more about how to donate. Any money that you can spare will be greatly appreciated. There's no pressure to donate. You can just come along and enjoy. We'll also be giving uh, away prizes to people who donate during each day. All this starts in a couple of days. Please come and check it out, even if you can't support. It just being there and sharing the, the word on all social media, wherever you can, that would mean so much to all of us here. All right, thanks, guys. Welcome back, everybody, to the less... Ex uh, well, it's still exciting, but it's less positive, I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Um, part of today's episode. So now we're going to be talking about the final two horsemen. And yep. the next one up is the Black Horse, also mm -hmm. known as uh, 
famine. And he, famine is one of the ones that, the black horse is one of the ones that's almost always depicted as famine. There's really only one other big interpretation of it, which is um, imperial oppression. But even then, the idea behind the imperial oppression often has to do with the idea that the people in power are controlling all of the resources and goods. Like restricting foods. Right. And things like that. So more that the balance of this, you know, the scales are tipped. There's no balance between the powerful and the powerless kind of situation. Um, Speaking of scales, uh, isn't that what uh, the Black Horseman carries? Yes, the Black Horseman. um, You know, we should probably just read through all of the little revelation tidbits at the end just so they can hear them. But um, the Black Horseman wears, or excuse me, comes in carrying a pair of scales in his hand. And so part of it is the the weighing of things on the scales. And a lot of times the uh, balance of the scale could be tipped in one direction or another, depending on the interpretation. And also whether or not um, people interpret it as the oppression. Because obviously with the imperial oppression, there's going to be one side that's much higher than the other. Whereas if it's just famine, sometimes it's more level because lack of food can equalize people across the board because the yeah. f- suddenly the farmer becomes the most important man in the country if you have food issues. Absolutely. Yeah. And so he he's almost always that and... There are some interpretations of the Black Horseman as being um, sort of like a lawgiver, like the scales of justice, which, again, could somewhat go back to the whole idea of, like, famine and lack of food levels the playing field because, I mean, it does at a certain point, you know. All the money in the world doesn't matter if everyone's starving and they don't want to sell you their food. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, just as a small extra tidbit before we move on, the Black Horseman is uh, the only of the only one of the riders that is accompanied by vocal uh, speaking in uh, in in the in the story, uh, who goes on about talking about the prices of food, wheat, and barley, mm-hmm. and saying that uh, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. Um, uh, he speaks to John, apparently. Uh, in the in the biblical translation, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's just that was an interesting point that they're the one that speaks. Yeah. Uh, yep. <clears throat> I think yeah, that moves on. That moves us on very nicely to the pale horse, which, as we haven't covered them yet, it's fairly obvious that this one is death. Yes, death. Uh, death is interesting for a couple of ways in that they come through without any specific item, although death is so always uh, is quite often pictured with a scythe mm-hmm. uh, in the actual story they're not, they aren't given anything specifically uh, they are followed by Hades um, so yeah uh, authority was given to them uh, over fourth of the earth to kill the sword and famine and the pestilence and the wild beasts of the earth, which of course is where conquest comes from, so yeah 
the, that's how all four of them uh, and that's how all four of them are summoned like I said with the lamp breaking the seals um, I'm not sure what Hades does specifically yet uh, yeah, however illustrations commonly depict him carrying a scythe like the Grim Reaper uh, and then Hades mm-hmm. I know is depicted as the lord of the underworld not specifically hell I, I correct well and yeah so in this goes back to the greek mythology that i love yeah. so much but mm-hmm. um a lot of the earliest sort of depictions of the prophecy or interpretations of this prophecy that deal with the um the idea of the apocalypse are partly tied into roman and therefore greek origins and um one of the things that comes up is that uh and it's interesting death is the only one who's actually named all of the other horsemen are not specifically named death is named as his name is death and um he's also sometimes referred to as thanatos depending on the text thanatos is the greek god of death hades was the greek god of the underworld so and the underworld included both the greek version of heaven and the greek version of hell so basically after you died hades was in charge of everything but when you Uh, died thanatos mm -hmm. was the guy yeah uh like it says i've just read in the reading uh, hades who followed him was the resting place of the dead like you just said but so that's why they follow but like um and there are a lot of descript- depictions of death just being a skeleton for the most part again like the grim reaper mm-hmm. um, but that's not explicitly said in in the, the passages but it, i can understand right. why people perceive them that way agreed the, i mean the other thing that's interesting too is that um that i think is interesting is that um in some of the earliest texts, again, that are written in Greek um, or Roman, death's horse, the color of death's horse is written, um, I'm not going to be able to say this, I think it's chloros, which is, in original Greek, can mean either like a green or greenish yellow or pale and pallid. So that's why there's some interpretations of the... um, of death's horse that have the horse be like this pale almost sickly um ghosty type of yellow green color which i think is kind of cool there is the thing i mentioned earlier you know where until the reformation and some different imagery that was produced that showed four separate horsemen there was a lot of scholars out there who believed that there was just one horseman who rode those four horses all in a row um and in some cases, they felt that the horseman riding them was going to be Christ himself, since he's the one who's supposed to open these seals. So, Yeah, that, something about that just seems a little confusing to me, because like, if he opens the first seal and then comes out of it? Well, so... Or is it just the horses that come out of the seals? The horses. Right. Okay, the idea so. the idea was that the horses come out of the seal with that interpretation is that the horses come out of the right. seal and then he rides each of them one after the other. That makes sense. Okay. Like he he rides the horse out and then does what that horse is going to do with him, you know, the the death or famine or whatever and then goes back and gets the next horse and does it again. Kind of idea. Okay. 
Okay, so, yeah, it's... Um, and I assume the Apocalypse with uh, like getting rid of the fourth and then bringing down Last Judgment. I what I suppose we could talk briefly about Last Judgment as it leads into that. Okay, mm -hmm. so Last Judgment. Let's put that. Uh, yep, Judgment Day. Uh, second coming of Christ. Final eternal judgment of God. The people of every nation. So essentially, it's the Rapture, <laughs> which is where all of the good, honest people, specifically Christians, uh, in, obviously, this text, are saved from a world that has been ravaged by the apocalypse. Mm -hmm. And then the people who aren't being taken are left with what has been done to the earth, essentially. Yep. Yeah. That about sums it up. Yeah, there's not really too much else to say without going super-duper deep into into the Christian law, which I don't think we have time to do. But not um, if we want to keep this episode reasonably lengthened. <laughs> so, yeah, that's fair. So, yeah. um, so I think I think an interesting way to close off, if you're okay with it, would probably be to read through the actual verses of yes. Revelation. Mm -hmm. At least the ones we, we looked, the ones we found. There, there might be yeah. slightly different wording depending on your version of the Bible. Yes. Um, uh, but these are that. these are the descriptions. So mm -hmm. for the white horse. Then I saw when the lamb broke one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying as with a voice of thunder, Come. I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. Revelation uh, 6, 1-2. Okay, so Revelation chapter 6, uh, verses 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. Okay, and for the red horse, when he broke the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come, and another, a red horse, went out. And to him who sat on it, it was granted to take a piece from the earth, and the man would slay one another, and a great sword was given to him. And that's Revelation 6, 3-4. to And then we have the black horse. When he broke the third seal... I heard the third living creature say, Come. I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand, and I heard something like a voice in the center of the four living creatures say, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, but do not damage the oil and the wine. Revelation 6, verses 5 and 6. And finally, when the lamp broke the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. I looked, and behold, an ashen horse, and he who sat on it had the name Death, and Hades was following with him. Authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, and with famine, and with pestilence, pestilence <clears throat> and with the wild beasts of the earth. Revelation Chapter 6, uh, verses 7 and 8. Yep. And especially hearing the wording of those descriptions, it's not overly surprising that the human imagination took hold and has created the imagery we now have today. Yep. Okay. So on that sort of note, I think that... Because uh, I, I was going to ask... 
which is your favorite but <laughs> that seems like a weird question um i actually have one yes i i thought you would which is why i still asked <laughs> <laughs> so um of the four horsemen the one i prefer but it's not because of the christian description of him necessarily is death okay that's interesting because death was also the one i would pick too <laughs> um so i like him for a couple of reasons i mean no matter how you look at it, death comes for everyone. So it's a very level playing field. There's there's no conqueror and conquered. And, you know, once you're dead, you don't have to deal with all the chaos of whatever's going on. So that's a nice plus. <laughs> the other reason is because, uh, as I talked about in a previous episode, I think before you joined me, I'm a huge Terry Pratchett fan. And so I have read a lot of the like portrayal of death that's in the Terry Pratchett novels so even even though I know that logically this anthropomorphized version of death the skeleton on the white horse and everything probably does not exist in in any like, reality well maybe in some reality but not in ours um but the uh <laughs> the the mental image of you know death coming in on a pale horse and calling it Binky, which is what happens in Terry Pratchett's novels. I just, I can't help it. I like death. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I just, death is probably the most interesting out of the, out of the bunch being obviously the named one. Mm, and also being true. just, I don't know, like, um, death doesn't necessarily have to be painful. Uh, dying, you'd hope when we all have to do it won't be painful like famine starving war bloodshed pestilence disease all of those are uncomfortable and could be slow and very painful whereas i feel like death is probably the most merciful of them yes he's taking their life but right it's fast it's quick and seems painless so that's why out of those ones i think i i would if i had to go out one of the ways it would be that one <laughs> i guess that's fair yeah okay well this was a bit of a weird one but still very interesting um if we missed anything like i said there are so many different interpretations we probably did feel free to let us know and we'll discuss it neither of us identify with being christian specifically nope but we're very happy to talk about anything um, at least I am and Heather seems to be mm-hmm. uh, so yeah feel free to reach out to us and we will we'll be back next week with a not not spooky topic but certainly an interesting topic because our plot is afoot and we'll see you next week for that bye guys bye Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Geek Thyself. Don't forget to check out all the other amazing content on the Nerdsmith Network. If you have any questions for either of us, you can get in contact with us on Twitter at geek underscore thyself. You can also email us at geekthyself at nerdsmith.org. And please don't forget to go to iTunes and leave us a review or also go anywhere you listen to your podcasts. We'll be back next week with another informative and fun episode. And until then, don't forget to geek thyself. Bye.